This is Women's Tech Radio, episode 13. A show on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network, interviewing interesting women in technology, exploring their roles, and how they are successful in technology careers. Now, Paige, we had the holidays recently, and I got a tech gift that I want to talk about. But do you have a tech gift that you want to talk about? Something that's kind of techy. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I got a Zoryushi, uh, essentially, electric kettle warmer thing. And so what it is, is it's this, like, uh, four-liter container that sits on my counter, and I can set it to specific, like, super specific tea temperatures, like 175 degrees, um, because I'm a tea nut, and tea is very particular about its temperature for proper brewing. This is a problem. A lot of people don't drink green tea because they overbrew it, and in too hot a temperature, it's just terrible. You're ruining your tea, people. Trust me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just super excited because I'm a tea nut, and now I have, like, on-demand tea, and it sings the little song when it's done. Oh and gosh. It's, it's adorable, even though it's, like, it's gray plastic appliance that sits on my counter. I just want to hug it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, what about you? All right. I got a Thunderbolt dock. Ooh. And it is, it is awesome. I, I got it all hooked up. I just, it is so nice to just have one plug plug into my laptop and then I have everything available including my second monitor which is 28 inches and it's amazing oh yeah I've wanted one of those for a long time that's really cool mm-hmm. cool so today we interviewed Sherry Dover she is the founder of PDX Code Guild um, she started as a um, kind of got into technology as a non-technical founder she's also a volunteer at uh, Portland Startup Weekend and she just has a pretty pretty cool things to say about women in tech and before we get into the interview I just want to mention linuxacademy.com If you go to linuxacademy.com forward slash WTR, you can save $5 a month on your technology education. If you go there, they have a very easy dashboard with step-by-step video courses and downloadable comprehensive study guides. They also have a new course called OpenStack Essentials. It's 100% complete and available on Linux Academy. You can go to linuxacademy.com forward slash WTR and that will save you $5 a month. We started our interview today by asking Sherry about PDX Code Guild. PDX Code Guild um, really harnesses the power of code to empower people in three ways. Um, one is uh, boot camps you can learn to program so that um, they can have a really useful skill set to find a good job or to um, do freelancing or just make cool things. The boot camps is, is the boot camps your major focus there? Um, it was our first focus and and so now um, we are also adding another class, Get Technical. It is a um, boot camp for non-tech founders of tech startups. And um, the idea is to empower um, more diversity of people to start a tech startup. There's a lot of benefits to a tech startup that other types of businesses don't really have. And then the third thing is we have a full service agency. We have um, a staff of very talented developers who like to do more than just teach. And um, so we have an agency too. We can take your ideas and make it into great software. Why get technical? Like what, what are, why do you think that um, 
how how is that helpful for the diversity in startups? Like, what are you? What problem are you actually trying to solve there? So this comes from um, I've been involved in the tech start, startup scene since two thousand nine, and um, you know the the economy had crashed, and I really got sold on the idea of tech startups because um, you're not limited to your time, you're not limited to your um, storage space or how much product you can order in warehouse. Um, it can be rapid growth. And also it's really beautiful because nobody fails unless they lose their integrity. And um, these roles, these starting these companies tends to be um, young white men. And women tend to go into fields um, that are more limited by their time and their their personal resources. They might do handicrafts, they might do service, they might open a boutique, and um, and and I'd like to empower women to have that choice of doing a tech startup. Um, in '09, somebody who um, was non-technical could do a tech startup because there are a lot of engineers that have been laid off that had severance pay and wanted to keep their resumes active um, while they rode out the recession. Um, that recession is over. And um, it's my understanding that right now there are close to 3,000 extra positions for programmers in Portland alone. Um, it's really hard to get somebody to just give up that good pay and benefits and then the second layer of if they had given that up, maybe they'd want to work on their own dream to work on yours. And so um, people that want to do a tech startup really need at this point to learn some programming to get started. What do you mean when you say failure is uh, only something that happens with a loss of integrity? When you do a tech startup, you, you learn. Um, it, you have to do, it is so intense to do a tech startup. You learn, and, and you have to wear a lot of hats. So you, so you learn about law, and you learn about project management, and you, um, you learn how to do a startup. And if your startup fails in this, in this um, community, you're seen as somebody who has very valuable experience and knowledge under your belt. Nobody's expected to um, succeed more than one in 10 times. Um, if somebody were to succeed in their first startup, that would be pretty miraculous because even a well-seasoned VC that knows how to pick the best, most promising startups is only right um, if they're maybe one out of 10 times. So it's the, the skills and all of the, the time and effort and that, that integrity that you're developing in trying is enough of a success to say it's not a failure. Exactly, right? And, and your Rolodex, your, your, your connections have, have expanded um, once you've gone through that. So is the PDX Code Guild somewhere that somebody that has had a failed tech startup could go? Like, are you a, a place where they could feel comfortable and expand on their skills so that they can maybe try another? Yeah, yeah, maybe somebody who um, 
you know, maybe that could be a place. But I'm, I think our target market is more people who are doing their first tech startup, maybe their second, and, and they really, they don't know how to work with developers. Um, they don't have the funding um, to hire somebody to build their MVP. And, and I think just like writing a resume or, or a thesis or a business plan, um, it, there's a lot of value in writing your MVP yourself. Um, and and but, for those who don't know, MVP is minimum viable product. Right. Um, once you have that, and once you have the language of programming, um, you're probably going to be far more successful um, attracting a team of developers to work with you or attracting funding. Is there a particular startup that you have helped or have seen somebody do after going through your PDX Code Guild? There is. There's one that I'm particularly proud of. Um, one of our, our students, um, Matthew, uh, had an idea of um, coming into the class. He had the idea that he wanted to build an app that would help homeless people find services. Um, he did his research and he, he found that homeless people do have smartphones and um, that he could make an app that would um, have in real time um, locations of shelters and how many beds are available and what the rules of that shelter are so that somebody wouldn't have to walk from shelter to shelter to find a place on a given night. That is amazing. So he, he did, he started on that as his um, capstone project at Code Guild. And then he um, went to Startup Weekend and he won. And, and then um, there's just, you know, he had, he had executed so well at Startup Weekend um, that he has had so much help and mentorship from the startup community in Portland um, that um, that was that was in November and he's still going strong he he's um, working with the Portland State University Business Accelerator a global expert on um, mobile apps at Mercy Corps has offered to mentor him and and just the list is endless and um, he's he's building it You mentioned uh, Startup Weekend, and I know that you're involved there. Can you talk a little bit about what Startup Weekend is and your role with them? Yes. So Startup Weekend is a 54-hour weekend immersive educational experience. Um, it's life-changing. Um, I'm completely addicted to volunteering for that. I've been doing it since 2011 um, because every weekend people leave that saying this has changed my life. Um, you start out Friday night with an idea. You pitch for a minute. Um, twelve teams, the twelve teams that get the most audience votes, form. You learn how to how to share your idea, how to build a team, how to work with a team, how to do customer validation, how to uh, respond to that customer validation to build something that people are interested in buying. 
you build your minimum viable product, and then you pitch to a panel of judges um, Sunday night. And, and it shows people not only the steps to doing a startup, but they can do it. A, a big part of the Portland startup ecosystem and uh, some of the accelerators, all the accelerators and incubators are involved as sponsors and they like to come and see how people work under pressure so that they can um, think about if any of those are people that they'd want to recruit to their accelerators. And is that mostly for uh, tech startups? Mostly, although not always. We've had food startups. We've had um, uh, clothing startups. But it, it does need to be something that you can build a minimum viable product in 54 hours on. And how often does that happen? Is that like a once a year thing or is that every weekend or? Um, globally, there's several every weekend. Um, in Portland, we do a generic startup weekend every November and April. Um, those sell out. They always sell out, um, usually three weeks before the event. It's a paid thing? You pay to attend it? It is. Um, yeah, it's it's usually if you if you get the early bird, it's usually around sixty five dollars and close to a hundred. If they haven't sold out before, we go off of early bird. Mm -hmm. um, occasionally, there are scholarships. There's students um, get half off, and there's usually we really value diversity, and so. Um, we always have some scholarships for women and people of color. In the winter and in the summer, we usually have one other vertical. Uh, last year, we did um, Startup Weekend Access. And the idea for that was to send, set the global best practices for making Startup Weekend accessible for people of differing abilities. And um, then this year, we're doing Startup Weekend Latino. Um, uh, one um, of our organizers is really linked into the Latino community. And so he wants um, to empower more people of color to feel like they can do a startup too. Why do you, why do you think it is, I mean, looking at, you know, hearing that you've got to do these different scholarships and everything for to encourage diversity, like, and your talk earlier about that women um, more typically startup, startup uh, service or brick and mortar kind of startups. Like, what is it about tech startups that you think is is a barrier for women? You know what? Um, a lot of women just haven't been invited. Um, so this is my theory. But in the 80s, the computers were locked in our brother's rooms and we were told that's not for you. It, it was a marketing. I think it was a marketing thing by the computer industry to say this isn't for secretaries. This is for boys. And so that really that really stuck. And so women dropped out of technology and um, and a lot of us were invited back um, through the men in our lives. Um, I'm one of a group of many women, surprisingly, who were invited back because we had sons really young and and our sons helped raise us and 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 we're like look mom we can view source 
and see how how um, web pages are made. And mom, let's, can you can you help me do this? Let's do this. And um, so that's how I came back into it. I was I was locked out of the room. I was told I couldn't have a computer, and and I had a son young that taught me everything I know about technology. And then um, in in just before the recession, or right when the recession happened, there was an economic development director in Corvallis that invited me to help him um, recruit. Um, laid off engineers from HP to do tech startups. And so that was really what brought me back to technology. We actually had, I think our very first guest had a really similar story where she, you know, it was having her, her son mm-hmm. ask about computers that got her back into computers. Do you think, like, how is that being a mom and, and kind of having to teach yourself or like, how, how did you help your son answer those questions? You know what? I was a student. And I used my student loans to get a gateway computer with a gold um, support uh, membership. And he was he was 12 years old and he spent hours on the phone to the technicians asking them everything. They, They were so kind. They would talk for hours with this kid and coach him and mentor him. That is adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You're a mom and you're starting a startup. And I know that um, a lot of women who I've talked to speak about, they're like, oh, I would like to do something like that. But like the work-life balance is really, like I'm really scared of that. Like how has that affected your life? So I have a personality type um, where I love to work. I, I really throw myself into what I'm doing and my family's used to that. But I also, um, I'm really quirky and I do things that make sense to me, not the way things people do things. And so um, my two that are at home now have been unschooled. And so they just come with me. Um, over the years, they actually have been right alongside me doing all of my startups with me. Um, and so um, my work-life balance is simply having my kids with me. And, and I'm not ashamed to be a mother. Um, I'm not afraid of being mommy cast because um, I just, I, I, I refuse to be. Um, and and um, my kids having grown up in this, this world of entrepreneurism, um, they know how to behave and, and be an asset. So you say unschooled. Does that mean that you took them out of school to uh, to do more of a, like an apprenticeship? So what happened is, is actually I was a grad student. My kids were going to public schools and one of them got a teacher who was ready to retire. And um, I needed to take my youngest out so that I could teach her to read myself. Mm. And and that just worked so well for us. And and at the same time, we, my oldest, who was at the top of her class, wasn't allowed into algebra because they didn't have enough room. And so um, they both decided to come home, and it just it fit our lifestyle because they had useful things to do. And um, so they they made brochures for me, and they. Um, 
manned the cash register all winter and did customer service and marketing when I did an indoor boutique. One of my early startups was a public market because I saw that there were people in Corvallis that didn't really have a, a, a outlet for a job or a business and I wanted to do a, a nano incubator for very small businesses. And in the winter we would do a boutique. So it, um, my kids just kind of took charge and, and did a lot of um, managing the artists and um, helping people get set up. And, and, and it was really felt natural for us. Uh, my son, my son is the only one in school. He's in kindergarten. They actually teach reading in kindergarten now which mm -hmm. is crazy. It's no longer like fun and learning how to socialize. It's you have to start learning right now. And he's having some adjustment issues. And so I am, I am, I had originally thought that I would homeschool. So all of that is really interesting to me. And I feel like being that this is our family business, that he could definitely benefit from that kind of experience. And he can't. My experience is, is, is that as long as you in, provide them with an enriched environment, they just like they have a drive to learn to walk they have a drive to learn about the world and so give them an enriched environment and the freedom to pursue what they're interested in um, my youngest has built a community of 20,000 followers on a fan page she's um, working on building a product line um, that she's gonna launch in the next couple months and, and that's all on her own nobody's asked her to do that yeah really to me you just you and your kids exemplify work-life integration mm -hmm. like that work you know and our heritage is that like you know the blacksmith wasn't just a blacksmith from nine to five like you don't you don't have to have that if you have a healthy integration of your work in your life mm -hmm. thank you for verbalizing that that's it it's integration i i don't balance doesn't work for me integration does yeah, I, I mean, I hear from educators all the time, like how much they feel hamstrung because they can't just do more of that enriched environment. Like it's, it's you, know, you have to teach to a test. You have to, and I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong, but it, it, it can't work for everybody. Right. So I always like to ask one more question. And um, I think for you, I'm kind of like, what? What is spinning your gears like? What is the thing that you're working on now that you just can't put down? You know, it's Code Guild. This is my baby. Um, one of my Facebook friends posted um, about how they felt about work. And, and I reflected on that and I realized that um, instead of it being a struggle for me to go to work daily, it's a struggle for me to stay asleep because I'm so excited about Code Guild and this community. I, I um, love that I, I threw a party and these wonderful, amazing people um, have chosen to join me, um, this party called Code Guild. And, and it, it takes a lot of discipline for me to just sleep <laughs> because I wake up every morning really excited about how we're, we're building this and, and the empowering of people that we can do through this.
Well, that was another great interview on Women's Tech Radio. Remember, we're on Twitter at HeyWTR. We're on Tumblr, HeyWTR at Tumblr.com. And you can email us, WTR at JupiterBroadcasting.com. More information about our guests, including links to her social profile, can be found in our show notes at JupiterBroadcasting.com, along with our iTunes link and our RSS feed. You can also find us by searching for us in your favorite podcasting application. <laughs>